In the beginning, we were created and designed to live and walk with God. But humanity traded the truth for a lie. We traded the glory and goodness of God for the world and our own ways. Separated from God, we were stuck in a pit of our own making. But Jesus broke through. Through his death on the cross and his resurrection, he rescued us from our sin, shame, and pain. Jesus shows us and teaches us how to live a new life, full life, a life that is upside down compared to what we are used to. His upside down, or rather, right side up ways are beautiful and perfect. He empowers us to live his mission, turning this upside down world right side up for his kingdom, his power, and his glory. So this past week, I had the privilege of uh, going back to my alma mater, Milligan College, not Milliken, but Milligan in uh, Northeast Tennessee, where I was uh, able to give some lectures. And as part of that trip, we uh, combined it with a college visit for some of our interested high school juniors and seniors. And so we've got a group of uh, students in the car, some of which don't necessarily know all uh, each other that well. And so uh, I kind of kick into youth minister mode and start kind of just throwing out uh, your typical icebreaker questions. You know, we start easy, like, you know, favorite ice cream, stuff like that. Then we kind of take it up a click. Like, if you could, like, have lunch with any person from history, who would that be? And uh, then we start talking about, like, the superpowers that we would have if we could have a superpower. Uh, to which um, uh, Abby Luca, who is our, our young adult ministry coordinator who came as a chaperone on that trip, uh, just busts out uh, with this icebreaker, where are you going, heaven or hell? Way to go straight for the jugular, Abby. Um, so she's like, no, 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 the billboard. It says, where are you going, heaven or hell? She was just reading and responding and reacting to what it is that she saw. So we had a good laugh about that. And from there, it was actually some very interesting conversation, as you could imagine, with some high school students as to uh, their thoughts on the effectiveness of uh, an approach like this. Uh, but regardless of what you might think of uh, these kinds of billboards, I think we would all agree, we are all interested in being confident to our answer to the question. Like, we wanna know, like, we wanna know that we are uh, a part of the former and not the latter. And so, as we uh, have been through the last number of weeks, we've been looking at what we have uh, affectionately referred to as the best sermon ever, and which is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount that we find in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. So if you wanna hang with us in our passage today, we'll be in Matthew 7 as we're kinda of tipping towards the end of Jesus' Sermon in our series of sermons, where really he is coming to this question. He's coming to this idea of, okay, I've been sharing these things, and where ultimately are you headed? Like, what path are you on? Jesus is gonna kinda of come to a head with the question of really we have to face, is that is we are are on the path either to heaven, which is uh, the experience of the perfect 
presence of God, uh, with our perfect God, or are we, uh, you could say to borrow from a popular lyric of a popular song title uh, by the band named ACDC, uh, on a highway to hell, in the other direction, you might say, which is, by definition, the complete opposite, the complete absence of the presence of God, separated from God in eternity, which is really just a continuation of the experience and reality of living a life separated from him here on earth. And and so Jesus, he speaks to these questions uh, by responding, really, with this teaching that we find in Matthew chapter 7, in verses 13 and 14. And so Jesus, he says it this way. He says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. And so we see in this very short teaching from Jesus, just two verses, it is pretty clear that there are only, you could say, two options, two gates, two entry points on which to take two paths, two roads, at which each of these gates leads down. Uh, And really within that, we see that really our first observation about Jesus' teaching is that there is no, you could say, third way. There is no third way, there's no uh, middle ground, there's no fourth, there's no fifth, there's no, actually there's no multiplier other than that of two. That you either have the right gate and path that leads to life or the wide road and path that leads to destruction. And so Jesus, speaking about this path, the right path that leads to life, he talks about it a lot throughout his ministry. Just a couple of those examples are just really one from him specifically. In John 14, 6, he just says plainly, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Through, he'll say, I am the door, I am the gate in other passages. And then at the beginning of the church uh, that Jesus establishes before he ascends into heaven, uh, the church continues this reality of understanding that the salvation, that salvation is found in no one else we see in the book of Acts. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And so as we hear that, uh, maybe if we're just just honest with our first response, our first reaction. There might be a side of us uh, to some degree that say, man, that just feels so exclusive. It, it just feels like we're, like, 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 isn't it like this like idea, like, you know, we understand there's different paths, but doesn't it kind of all go up the same mountain? Doesn't it uh, kind of all lead to the same peak, the same place, ultimately, when we look at the different versions of what people are seeking in the world? Or maybe you're familiar with the old illustration of like the three blind men and the elephant where, uh, you know, one blind man has a hold of the tail and he says, I found a rope. And another blind man is uh, at the uh, leg of the tree, or excuse me, the leg of the uh, elephant and says, "I, I found a tree trunk. And then the third blind man, he's got a hold of the elephant's trunk to which he says, I found a snake. But really all talking about the same thing, talking about the same elephant. But here's the reality. The good news of Jesus' gospel, his good news for us, is that he has not left us blind. 
He has not left us blind. He has actually opened our eyes and our ears as he shows us and he tells us his way. It's, it's actually interesting that Christians originally uh, were not initially called Christians. It says in scriptures that they were called first Christians at Antioch. So that came later. But what that was actually those on the outside looking in, speaking to those Christians, those Christ people. But what they referred to themselves as was the way. They understood their movement, their following of Jesus as the way, the path that Jesus has laid out. And with that, I get it, because I, I, I could see how this idea and this experience, this reality of if only uh, we could see like this, it's the same mountain with different ways and different paths, uh, you know, all leading to the same peak. I mean, it sounds nice, but it's actually just not accurate. And really just a cursory look at, uh, you could say, the religions of the world shows us this pretty quickly. Uh, like if we look at, for example, uh, just the fact that there are different gods that would naturally have different paths that lead to different peaks. We see uh, in Islam uh, that their god is Allah. In Hinduism, uh, there are 330, at least 330 million different gods. And Buddhism doesn't have any gods at all. In New Age, like, you are God. And atheism, uh, there is no God. But followers of the way, Christians say, the Lord our God. The Lord our God is one. There is one true God in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And with that, uh, these gods, they lead to different destinations. The peaks are different. In Islam, it's paradise. In Hinduism, it's uh, really to break out of this cycle of reincarnation. In Buddhism, uh, it's nirvana or enlightenment. In New Age, it's really to like break out of or disengage or disconnect from objective reality, to disconnect from it. And then in atheism, there, there is no destination. It's just eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. Uh, we cease to exist. But Christians understand that what we have ahead of us, God's word says, is a new heaven and a new earth. And so with these different destinations in mind, then naturally, they're gonna have different paths that lead to those different destinations. Islam has the five pillars that you work at in order to earn your place uh, to please Allah. In Hinduism, it's, it's all about karma. It's like you do good in this version of life, then it's gonna go well for you in the next life. If you don't, then it's gonna go really bad for you in the next. Buddhism has the eightfold path to work at, to extinguish your passions. And, and New Age, it's, uh, there's like a consciousness that you arrive and work at in order to reach their version of salvation. And then atheism, again, with no God, they just say carpe diem, seize the day, for this is all we get, so get it Why you can while you can. But Christians, Christianity is not about what we do. It's all about where we place our trust. Our trust not in what we do, but what has already been done for us in Jesus that we could not do on our own, which we'll look at here in a little bit. And so in actuality, you, you, I guess you could say there are multiple paths, but those multiple paths, because you have the other world religions, they are all part of the wide path, the wide road of going your way, of trying to earn your way, all as man-made attempts to get to God. 
But the good news about Jesus' way is that it is not another man-made attempt to get to God, but Jesus' way is the declaration that he came to us and that we're not trying to like get up some kind of mountain. In fact, Jesus would say, yes, there is, you could say, a mountain between us, but Jesus, God in the flesh, came down the mountain to get to you, to get to me, that he came all the way from heaven to earth to live a perfect, sinless life, from the birth all the way to, from his birth to the cross as a perfect sacrifice for our imperfect, sinful ways. <coughs> Sorry, I knew that was coming. Uh, to, to forgive us and save us from the penalty of those ways and to give us the gift of a new life, both here and into all of eternity. And so, yes, you could say there are multiple ways that make up that wide road that leads to destruction. But according to Jesus and his word, there is only one way that leads to life. Acts 12, because there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And really, when we talk about this, like these two paths, like this is... This isn't like we've been hiding this or Jesus has been saving this for the end. I mean, really, if you've been with us, the whole Sermon on the Mount has been pretty clear. It's been laying out two completely different ways, two paths in which to live this life that we believe God has given us. Uh, we see two kinds of righteousness. He criticizes the Pharisees, the religious leaders of this day, that they were like hypocrites in their righteousness. Uh, but yet he also challenges us, encourages us that instead we want to be hungering and thirsting for true righteousness. And Jesus goes on, there's two even motivations, like two whys behind which we pursue right things. As he said again, with the religious leaders of the day, they were doing it for show, to impress everyone around them. And Jesus challenges us that, you know, you just do this for God alone, like for an audience of one. He would go on, as we've looked at, he says, you can only have one master. You cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money, he says. And then in the passage, it comes like right after the one that we're looking at here today in verse 15. If you have your Bible open, you kind of see the header there that there's two kinds of prophets. There's false prophets and false teachers and true ones, which Jesus goes on to say that we will recognize the authenticity of their teaching by the fruit of their ministry. Like, what are they producing? And then at the end there, you can see that there's two kinds of disciples. It says in verse 21, two kinds of really us. There's two kinds of us that Jesus will really close out his sermon with both in this week and the next, saying in verse 21, that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Namely, Jesus is saying, those who are my true followers on my path will indeed enter the kingdom of heaven. And there are those who are not, who are on the wide path that leads to destruction, who might not even realize they're on that path, just based on that reality of those who say, Lord, Lord, but to be surprised in the end. And so really, Jesus, he's kind of bringing it to a head. He's saying, okay, with all of this in mind, with this whole message, it comes to the point, which will you decide? Which way will you go? Which gate will you enter? Which path will you take? And so obviously, again, kind of going back to the question from the beginning of the billboard, like we want to be confident, obviously. We, we want to be confident in the path that we're on. Like that's why we're here, right? We want to know. We don't want to walk in the room and then walk out not sure, not confident that we are on the right path through the gate that Jesus has given us. And, and as we kind of embark on that here with the moments that we have left, I will say this is... I guess you could say where I feel the heaviest burden 
Uh, in fact, midweek as I was preparing this, I just asked uh, our elders and staff just to be praying specifically about this conversation right now. Because what I guess you could say I definitely don't want to do is cause undue concern or doubt where there should be confidence in the path that you are on and the destination that you are headed to. However, more concerning is that I would not leave you with undue confidence to those of you who should be concerned about the path you are on and the destination you are headed towards. And so today I want to in just great carefulness and humility, just in uh, prudence and the wisdom of God today, our best to appropriately bring comfort where unnecessary and undue doubt and anxiety uh, reside regarding the path you're on, the trust you have when it comes to your eternal destination. But yet for others in the room and online in the East Auditorium, like on the inverse, where there is maybe the wrong comfort, I do want to bring, I want the Holy Spirit to bring, I should say, appropriate discomfort wherever your confidence and trust has been misplaced regarding the path you are on and the destination you are headed to. And then, of course, most importantly, what to do about it. And so how can we know? How can we each of us walk out of this room, out of the East Auditorium, or you know, log out uh, of online, whatever that looks like, to ensure that we are confident that we are on the path through the gate that Jesus has given us? Well. To illustrate this, uh, a number of years ago, uh, as actually I was looking, I was like more than 10 years ago when we preached a sermon actually on this very stage. It was Pastor Wayne and I. We were co-preaching a sermon. Pastor Wayne's our former lead pastor here. And um, when I say stage, it really wasn't much of a stage then. It was actually like these carpet square piece things that were like shoved together because we kind of use it in a lot of different ways. And so we had on this like jankety stage, this table, like high top table with like a glass top on it and these stools, these high top stools. And some of you might have been here for this. And as we were getting ready to start, I was like adjusting my seat to kind of scooch up to the table when one of the legs of my stool found one of the cracks in the jankety stage. And I kid you not, like a third of the stool just like disappeared into the ground, and so it goes down. Along with my arms, I hit this glass tabletop. It flips up. I mean, there's like papers. There's like coffee cups, like we're like news reporters or something, like all going everywhere. And when everything settles, the glass thankfully lands backwards, supposed to. There's stuff everywhere. But me, I end up completely horizontal in the warm embrace of my senior pastor for one of the most awkward yet intimate moments <laughs> of my life. And so when it comes to this idea of a stool, uh, you know, we've been using the image of a stool throughout this series. We've talked about these three legs of the stool. It's kind of in this conversation that we want to be confident of what the path that Jesus has laid out for us looks like. We've talked about how we can be reminded that there is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, that we were on this path, there's no condemnation because it's actually God's kindness that leads us to repentance, to turn away from the wide way and toward his destination and that recognizing that the path that we are on, that it is life and life to the full, like the life that God has given us, we believe he has actually the best way for us to live that life as we've been examining throughout the Sermon 
on the mount. And so with that idea, we want to build on that by repurposing actually those same three legs to give us, you could say, the confidence, the assurance that we are on a firm foundation, that we have all three legs of our stool firmly planted on a firm foundation rather than maybe the concern or the fear to understand that maybe one of those legs is maybe on a crack in the floor. Because I'll be honest, as I just read the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, kind of apart from just some understanding and some teaching and things like that, there's certain things that we read that, I mean, I'm just being honest, like start to make me a little nervous. I mean, let's remember some of the words that we've looked at from the words of Jesus. He says, if you do not forgive others their sins, that your Father will not forgive your sins. And then in Matthew 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, if you have like this condemning, bitter anger in your heart, he said that you are in danger of the fires of hell. Or as we just read, a few verses after the passage that we have here today, Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And so I wanna give each of us, again, in the room, the confidence that we are walking through the gate. And again, I cannot do that. That is ultimately between you and the Lord, but based on the word of the Lord to give you the tools and the understanding to have that confidence that you are walking on his path that leads to life, not just in this life, but for all of eternity. Okay, and so we're gonna do that by examining uh, these three legs of the foundation of our salvation in this way, okay? So the first leg of our stool of having this confidence, you could say, is to hear. To hear the presentation of the gospel, to hear the good news of Jesus Christ, and that the good news is, in fact, this. Bad news first. We have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Uh, we all fall short of God's perfect standard. And so it's that imperfect sin that separates us from a relationship with a perfect God, both here on earth, and then if left unremedied, naturally evolves into eternity, eternal death and eternal separation from God in hell. And so that's the bad news first. But the good news, second, Romans 5.8. But God, he demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, while we were still on that broad road, Christ died for us. And so it's in the hearing of this reality of what God has done in giving us his one and only son and hearing this good news, this gospel message that then leads us to the second leg of our stool. And that is to personally respond by either rejecting or believing in and receiving this good news. To make Jesus, we would say, your savior and your Lord. If you've been around church at all, you've probably heard that phrase, make Jesus your Savior and Lord. Well, here's what that means. That first, as Savior, we're saying that in faith, you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He is the Christ. He is the one who has come to live a perfect, sinless life through then his sacrificial death, did in fact pay the deserved death penalty that we deserve, that he took it upon himself as a substitute so that we could be forgiven of our sins and then, again, with his resurrection from that grave, be given the gift of a new life here and into all of eternity. And then what does that life look like? Well, that's the second part. That is where we understand him as 
the Lord, or we'd say maybe the leader of our life, the one whom you follow. You follow the leader. You obey the leader by repenting, by turning away again from your way, sin's way, the world's way, and going Jesus' way. You choose to surrender, wave that white flag for what he has for you in this life, Savior and Lord. And so summed up in a word, you could say that as the first leg is both hearing the good news, the second leg would be declaring that, believing in that, accepting that, stepping into a faith in this reality of Jesus as Savior and Lord by declaring he is, in fact, your Savior and Lord. Romans 10.9 assures it this way. He says, uh, or the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Romans, he says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And then in Acts chapter 2, uh, you could say like the very first day of the church, which starts with Peter, he's preaching the very first message where the people hear and they also believe and declare. And then responding to this in Acts 2.37, the people, they say, what shall we do? In Acts 2.38, Peter responds. He says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, that's what our baptism is all about. When we, in baptistry, whether the baptistry here in the room or at the lake, when we say, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God who forgave you of your sins? That's your savior and then will you follow him all the days of your life as the Lord and the leader of your life? In all of this, you are declaring your full faith in Jesus Christ as savior and Lord. Because it says this way in Romans 6, 4, when it comes to our baptism, it says that we are therefore buried with him through baptism We're buried into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, that we too may have new life. We're raised to that whole new life, this whole new path that he has saved us from and to, and we are on. And so the first and the second leg of the stool, the Christian faith is where we both hear and declare Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And then lastly, we could say that this is then evidenced in the reality that we are obeying, in obedience, that we are actually following the way, following the path that is Jesus' way. So we can put obey up there. Sorry, I'm getting a little behind. There you're ahead of you guys, I can tell. Now, this is really important because I want to put an asterisk by this. Uh, and that what we don't do, we don't obey, we don't follow Jesus in order, you could say, to earn anything. We don't earn favor with God. We don't earn our way into heaven. Again, we establish that this is how uh, Christianity stands against every other world religion trying to earn its way and its favor with God and into eternity. And again, we're not just making this up because it sounds good. I mean, this is what the word of God says. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 reminds us it's by grace you have been saved through faith. And that this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God not by works, so that no one can boast. No one can brag. No one can say, I've obeyed my way into heaven. No, it is by faith in Christ. And so that's a clarifying point that is incredibly important, that we cannot earn our salvation. It is only a grace, a gift through faith given by Jesus Christ, by God and Jesus Christ, Ephesians 2. However, probably the second asterisk that I would put on this same word is in our obedience, in our following. Uh, You could say it is the evidence that you have 
truly heard and understood and declared that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. Because to say that Jesus is your Lord, your leader, uh, naturally would suggest that you are following Jesus as the Lord and the leader of your life. I mean, Jesus says, why would you call me Lord, Lord, if you're not going to follow me as Lord? I mean, this is, this is what he says in Luke chapter 6. Jesus says, why, do you, why would you call me Lord, Lord, but then not do what I say? As Jesus goes on to say in John chapter 10, he says, my sheep or my followers, they listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. They follow me. And then quite plainly in John 14, Jesus says, if you love me, then keep my commands. Keep my commands. Walk on my path. Follow my ways. And as helpful as this may be, um, I think Again, this is for me, maybe for you too. This is where I kind of start to get a little nervous because I like clarity, and with all this talk of obedience, I kind of have the next question like, okay, like how obedient do I have to be to be assured I am on the right path? You might say it this way. In other words, like kind of where's the line, right? Like where's the line between obedience and too much disobedience uh, that disqualifies my third leg of the stool? I mean, these are the questions we want answers to. But the short answer lies in not trying to identify where is the line. But in what Jesus has shown us, in his initial words to his disciples and thus to us, Jesus would ask in his request to follow me, what direction are you headed? Not where is the line, but what direction, what path are you on? And are you on the path that is obeying and following Jesus? And so again, some qualifying kind of markers uh, I think we can look to about the confidence that we are on that path. Because uh, again, I don't want to leave uh, a bunch of ambiguity on this. You know, it sounds nice, but like, what does that really look like? Again, this is between you and the Lord to know that you are on this path. But I would say these are some qualifying markers that we could look to. I would say that if in your life, if you are actively pursuing to obey Jesus, uh, his commands, his right way, his way, his ways of righteousness, as it says at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are those who are kind of hungering, who are thirsting, who are getting after Jesus and his ways, who hunger and thirst for righteousness. I would ask, are you hungering and thirsting? Are you pursuing this? Then I would say, walk confidently. You are on that narrow road pursuing Jesus. And then again, to that thing, what about when I fail at this? Obviously, we're not gonna do this perfectly, right? Well, when we fail at kind of A, walking on that path, then B, we confess. We confess, excuse me, we confess our sin, receiving God's forgiveness, continuing to repent and turn away from that sin by the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us, not our own works, because again, that is nothing that we have that we might boast. As it says in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins as followers of him, well, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us. Uh, the fancy word is sanctification. He's gonna continue to grow us and sanctify us uh, to become what he has already made us perfectly through Jesus Christ's sacrifice. And so A, we're on his path. B, when we miss it, when we misstep, he forgives us. And then C, rinse, wash, repeat. Rinse, wash, repeat. That, that, that is what we're doing. We're moving toward Jesus in his ways. When we fail, we're seeking his forgiveness and repentance and moving. That is 
the confidence of the third leg of the stool standing firm. But I would say to those who think they are standing firm, who, who, who maybe say, yeah, Lord, Lord, like, but you have no interest, you have no willingness to confess, to repent, to even acknowledge sin in your life, then I would say beware. Maybe you have heard, maybe you've even said with your mouth, declared, Lord, Lord, on such and such a date, but in fairness to you, maybe because of bad teaching or misteaching or false teaching or maybe you misunderstood or maybe incorrectly believed or have incorrectly lived by, that when it comes to sin in your life, if you say in your heart, you essentially say, hey, it's no big deal. Jesus is gonna forgive me anyway. Then friend, I would caution you, be warned. You have missed the fullness of what is truly good about this good news in your life. You're missing that Jesus has come to give you the best way to live the life of the life that he has given you to live. You know, the Apostle Paul, he kind of raises this same question in a letter to the church, again in Romans, uh, kind of this idea, hey, there's like we're gonna be forgiven, right? So what's the big deal? Paul says it this way, he says, what shall we say then? Kind of hypothetically, shall we just go on sinning so that grace may increase? Hey, perfect, actually, the more I sin, the more grace I get, right? By no means. No way, he says, because we are those who have died to sin. We've died to the broad road that leads to destruction. So how can we just live in it and walk in it any longer? The two can't coexist. And then, really, he brings it all the way back again to our baptism. He says that all of us who were baptized into Christ, don't you know, you were baptized into Jesus' death. And then we were therefore buried with him, burying our sin in our baptism in order, uh, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too, we're raised to a whole new life led by him as our Lord because he is our Savior. Because in the end, like literally, in the end, there is a difference. There is a difference between the one who is, you know, following Jesus but struggling with sin and temptation as we all do, confessing and seeking forgiveness and repenting and trusting God to help us turn away from that sin. There is a difference between that person and the person that just, just nonchalant or even just like blatantly embraces and celebrates the fact that they have sin in their life saying, eh, Jesus will forgive me anyway. God's word would caution you that if this is where you're at, that I am, I am burdened for you this day. And that, yes, I have a burden, you could say, for those who are outside of the church who have obviously rejected Christ. But I'd say that one of the heaviest burdens that I have that I carry when I'm in this room or at East Auditorium or online with you is that those of you who sit here like week after week after week and you, and you hear the word of God poured out in the songs that we sing and the sermons that we preach and yet your heart remains unchanged. Your life remains unchanged. Like week after week, if you're familiar with the parable uh, that Jesus talks about like, like seed on the different kinds of soils, I fear that like your heart is just like that hard path. Like, like it's like trying to plant seed on a sidewalk. It's just bouncing off week after week and I fear you have misunderstood that you've bought into a lie or misinformation or your heart is hard and you thought, oh man, I said Lord, Lord, but you have not actually functionally chosen to follow him as your Lord. And so listen, Jesus is clear. He says it all throughout 
this sermon. You're like, you, you can't serve two masters. You, you can't enter at the same time through both the narrow and the broad gate. You can't uh, have kind of one leg on this path and one leg on that one. You cannot be, you could say, two places at once. You cannot be two places at once. That There is only one of the two roads that you are on. And so the only question for us from this teaching of Jesus is what road are you on? What path are you traveling down? And where is that path taking you? So again, maybe, maybe you've heard, maybe, uh, maybe you just haven't heard clearly. Maybe you haven't declared confidently and plainly your faith in Jesus Christ and all three legs of this. Again, maybe uh, you've heard declared, but you realize you haven't obeyed, which means you haven't really heard and declared. Or, or maybe you've been kind of like the world religions, like you've been like kind of obeying and trying to morally uh, work your way into God's favor. Maybe one of these things has been missing in your life. And I would say today, if that's where you are, that you can walk out of this room, the other room, log out, whatever that looks like, confident that you have all three legs of your stool firmly planted on the word of what God says about faith in Jesus Christ and what he has done for you that we could not do for ourselves and living in that life. And so as the service concludes, just know, um, Pastor Jonathan and I will be here in the West Auditorium. We'll be honored to have that conversation of what this looks like for you. Uh, in the East Auditorium, Pastor BJ is there and your online host will be happy to, again, start that conversation to give you that confident next step that you do, in fact, by the grace of Jesus Christ, have his life on his path to his destination in your life now and for all of eternity. So that we can together, on this path, remember, again, those first three tenets, those first three legs, that it's God's kindness that has brought us here, that repentance, the conviction, like this is the goodness of God that has led us here. And that when we're on this path, we can be confident there's no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus because on this path is life and life to the full, that the one who gave us life has shown us and given us the best way to live that life. And so let's pray, give him thanks for that reality together. Father, we thank you that you have not left us blind or unclear in the way that you have laid out for us. And so Father, we wanna come as we're about to sing in the words of this song, with our arms wide open, fully surrendered to the path that you've given us, confident that the path, the life that you have given us is in fact a version of life that you have given us the best version of that life, that life and life to the full in you alone as both Lord and Savior, not just now, but all the days of our life and into eternal life. May it be for each and every one of us here in the name of Jesus.